KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. I want my relationships with my players to be something that will be for a lifetime and not, we're not using them for four years. This is a lifetime commitment to them. And, you know, we talk about love, we talk about family, and they are family. And whether they play one year or four years, they're still part of our family. I hope that that's what they take out of our program. And our guest this week is Kim Wilson, one of the top collegiate softball coaches going. She has been at Rowan University since the late 90s, won more than 800 games in her career. And Kim, thanks so much for the time. Matt, good to talk to you. So let's start as we are recording this. uh, It is the middle of September. What is life like for you right now with the team, with the program? What's at the top of the list these days? Uh, right now, getting everybody situated because we start practice on Friday. This is uh, a Wednesday, so we've we've done meetings and had group stuff so far, getting everybody on board, physicals, all that fun stuff. So it's all the not so much fun stuff, the administrative stuff. Friday starts the real meat and potatoes and hanging out with the kids and you know practicing and and the fun stuff. I think a lot of people that don't follow college sports very closely think that you know the season runs from x to x and you know that's pretty much what the focus is but it is a 12 month a year thing for the coaches and for the players throughout the time they're at school right even the their the off season is not really an off season anymore there's always something to do there definitely is. I don't know how many times I get asked, you know, what do you do besides coaching? And uh, it's like nobody understands that it's not just the spring season. You know, right now we're going into that the, the Division Three model is we have 16 opportunities to practice in, in four weeks. And so we can only go four days a week. And so we'll do individual sessions prior to a team practice on those four days. And then the players have lifting three days a week. So they're up at seven o'clock in the morning, three, three mornings a week, which they love um, before going to go into class and, and they're lifting and the coaches were, you know, we have strength and conditioning people, which is great. So we're not involved in that, but it's a, when we're doing the individuals, then going right to practice, it can be a, you know, a long, a long day. But that's the hands-on stuff that are, you know, I really like. I'm not sitting in the office at my desk and and that sort of thing at that point. In mid-October, we're not, you know, allowed to do anything but leadership stuff with them. And so at that point, they're on their own. And, you know, we try to leave them after the 16 opportunities with a a good foundation that they can continue to work. They go out to the field and they'll hit and, you know, do whatever, you know, they the foundations that we're trying to establish to bring in and we start at the end of end of January. So, you know, in the Northeast, people don't understand that we're actually practicing in January, not often outside at that point, but it's a a year round thing. And, you know, we're, we're indoors. And then if we can get out, there are times, you know, back in the, back in the day, in the old days, uh, we'd shovel some snow in the infield and hit to the outfielders. If the, if the, um, you know, the grass was, was available. So um, now with turf, it's a little easier. We can get outside a little bit and maybe go out for, you know, 15 minutes with the outfielders and that kind of stuff when it's, when it's colder, but um, you know, and a lot of times we're playing until the end of May and then recruiting starts and recruiting never actually stops. And, you know, it's a, 
you know, maybe at the the month of August, it stops. And I was recruiting last, you know, Saturday and Sunday. So it's, it never really stops. And we're bringing kids onto campus the days that we're not practicing. And, you know, and then it's, um, uh, in some ways, a little bit of Groundhog Day, it starts over the next year, you know, you're done with the 22s and the 23s are coming in. So it's a, you know, full 12 month job. So but I the hands on stuff is what I really I enjoy. One of the things to me that makes your success even more remarkable is I don't think people appreciate the when you're competing, you know, you guys are in the NSA tournament consistently and stuff like that. In the Northeast, because of the weather, you know, baseball and softball, you're playing at the same time as the schools down in the Sun Belt and, you know, in the South, like that don't, they can practice whenever they want outside. They don't have to worry about, they don't have to have, usually won't have game, like three games a week rained out or because of poor field condition. I mean, I know you talked about turf, but how much of a more of an uphill climb is it for not, not just you, but teams in this area that compete in a sport in the spring like this, as opposed to other places in the country because you have to deal with things that frankly they just don't have to very very true i you know a lot of times they they don't even know what an indoor practice is they've never had to you know figure out small spaces to do things and uh, keep your kids engaged when we're just indoors and it's very different so they're practicing outside a lot of times back in the day we'd go to florida and we'd be playing teams that had played 10 or 12 games so then the change that I made was we started going to Virginia Beach or North Carolina and trying to get not necessarily an advantage, but get on an even playing field. Well, those teams are also six or eight games ahead of us now. And so we'll go down to this year. We're going down to North Carolina. We're going to play Bellhaven our first game of the season. And they're going to have they're outside. They're going to have 10 games in before they play us. And so our kids we have to be competitive in practice in four weeks to push ourselves so that we're ready to step on the field. The good part is we're playing a good schedule and you know we are in the NJAC and, and those sorts of things that our strength of schedule helps us. And sometimes if you drop one of those games, it's not as big a deal as dropping one against a not such a good team. But, it, you know, it's hard. It's day in and day out. You know, we're pushing them going outside when it's not pretty and you know we're we're pretty good we'll we'll get games in in North Carolina and Florida so when we come back we're only playing really the conference games we might have three double headers of non-conference games and i like that um because i feel like w- number one we can keep the kids in class and they don't feel as uh i don't know how baseball does it they don't feel as pressured um like the baseball guys do where where they're out of class all the time and I think our kid, you know, our, we're not going pro, so they have to be here academically and softball's a bonus and we can play at a high level. The neat part about the season sometimes is we have been able to, you know, make the tournament and, and play in the tournament fairly deep. At that point, we feel like we're a pro team because we're getting getting our meals paid for and, you know, practicing and, and going on the road. And so that's kind of fun. We, we look forward to doing those sorts of things. So let's talk a little bit about your journey reading up on you. Uh, it sounds like you played a lot of different sports growing up and softball wasn't necessarily at the top of the list when you were younger. Sounds like hoops was your thing. Yeah, basketball was my was my sport. I thought I'd be a basketball coach, honestly. And I, and you know what? When it's cold in January, I wish I was a basketball <laughs> coach. 
much. <laughs> As I've gotten older, it's like the it's definitely colder outside, but it's you know, I I'm a second generation college coach. So my mom was a college coach. She's she was at Penn State Bear and I actually played for her two sports, volleyball and softball. She was more of a volleyball coach than she was a softball coach. But basketball was my love by far. I I even when I was at Washington Jefferson, I assisted there a little bit in basketball. But you know, I when I was hired there, I was hired as a soccer and softball coach. I thought I was going to be coaching volleyball, but they they switched it as I accepted the job. So I was not a soccer coach and you know, I feel bad for those kids that I coached there. But, um, you know, that's why I ended up at Rowan was just being a full-time softball coach. But yeah, I, you know, I played three sports in high school and basketball was my love for sure. What was it about basketball? What is it about basketball when you were growing up? How much of it was love and how much of it was you were really good at it? It was, it was both. I, I just, I could see the floor. I could, you know, and, and for females, basketball is our football. Basketball is the, you know, that's the prime sport. We're indoors where everybody comes to watch it. And so, you know, as a five foot eight point guard that played, you know, on the, in the paint on on defense, I wasn't a great defensive player because I wasn't that fast, but I could shoot the ball and I loved that part of the game. You know, and I go back to the days where there was no three point line and we used the boys ball. We didn't have the, the little ball. So that changed when I was in college. But in college, basketball is such a long season that, you know, I ended up just after my freshman year, I couldn't I couldn't play basketball anymore. So I just continued with volleyball and softball. So I loved it. I love sports. Like I said, I've been on a college campus since I was six. I don't know anything else. I, I love the college kids and sometimes making the, your livelihood based on the decisions of 18 to 22 year old females is not the greatest day, but most of the time it's pretty good. Do you remember your introduction to softball? When did that come into your life as far as something that became a pretty significant part of your of your life? You know, it's funny. Um, I played a little bit when I was in, you know, like middle school, that sort of thing. And I I didn't like it. And when I was in high school, basketball was in the fall. And that I went from basketball and we went into volleyball. And I was going to do track. I was going to throw. I had done a little bit of javelin stuff and I was going to throw. And all my friends went from volleyball to softball. And that's why I went to softball. So I really get, you know, I, we always played, you know, baseball and and that kind of stuff. I grew up with all boys. I have three brothers. So, you know, I always could throw and, and do that kind of stuff. So it was just all my friends were going to softball and I was a starter by my sophomore year in high school and went from there. I could hit pretty well and played up the middle, played short, played, uh, caught some, played third. I, I enjoyed it. You grew up in the Erie area, right? Or in Erie? Yeah, I did. I grew up in Erie, Pennsylvania. Yeah, on the lake. And I'm curious because every region has it. What was big there, sports wise? Was it like basketball, the 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 top thing? Yeah, basketball was big. Actually, fast foot softball was huge there. We had women's leagues, and we also had men's leagues. And Erie was well known for their men's fast pitch softball, and so we got to see some tremendous, um, like every, every, I can remember the Stroh's brewery had, you know, um, teams and these guys could throw. And so it, mm-hmm. it was, you were going down and watching these teams play and the Can-Am games came in one year and we got to see all kinds of people um, play. So to go places where there wasn't any fast pitch on the men's side is is an interesting thing. And, it, and it's really died nowadays, but we saw some tremendous people playing. 
Slippery Rock for college. What was what are some of your favorite memories of college? As we've already kind of touched on, you know, you were playing all kinds of sports. Uh, you know, but when you think back to your your college time, what are some of your favorite memories? I actually, my mom went to Slippery Rock, so I kind of followed her there. Um, and, and Slippery Rock's a great, great place. It, you know, it wasn't too big at the time, but it was the professors were were awesome we you know in phys ed it was known for its phys ed and you know you got into intramurals we were lifeguarding we were doing so many things and you're just hands-on with everything in some ways nowadays i don't think the phys ed programs are doing the same sort of things where we had to learn sports that we didn't know anything about and there were a lot of one credit classes but it, it was great and just great people and lots of athletes really good athletes from all over the place you know one of my friends that was out there was actually a field hockey player and she was from Glassboro. So I had, you know, had heard of Glassboro State before, not Rowan at that point. But, uh, you know, so that was a, an interesting connection. I've had a, a few of those which are interesting. One of my players in soccer at Washington and Jefferson, her mom went to Glassboro State, was a teacher. So I've had some some good connections that way. But Slippery Rocket was just, it, it was, you know, it was a great place to grow up, safe place. And, you know, it, and a lot of ways reminds me of, of the way Rowan was and, and is. It's a I'm a state school kid. I, I really fit in with those those types of kids, so I enjoy it. With your mom, was coaching always at the the top of your list that eventually, in some form, you knew you were going to coach? Yeah, I thought my mom would retire and I would take her job at Penn State Barron, but um, she wasn't quite that old. So uh, I had to go do something else. Uh, when I graduated from Slippery Rock, I actually taught elementary school for a year and a half. I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do, especially elementary. I thought I'd you know get into high school or do something like that, but I thought I would step into college. And the, the funny part there is I was in down in Richmond, Virginia, in that area, and it was kind of a good old boys system. And I wasn't good enough to be the softball coach or assist with the softball program. I was allowed to help out with the basketball team for, I was only there a year and a half, but, and then I emailed the uh, athletic director and told him that, you know, I'm leaving to go coach college softball. And he was like, oh, Okay. Well, good luck, you know, that kind of thing. So and it was a bit of a turnaround. And, you know, I I always was coaching. I worked camps for my mom and different places. So I was always involved and I would do stats. You know, back in the day, you had to do them by hand. And so she'd bring the scorebook home and I'd, I'd do up all the, the stats and everything. And it was a good way to, you know, get in a, at the ground level and watch it. Recruiting has is a lot different now than it was then. But it, it was an easy transition for me because I, I that's what I always wanted to do. So it was never a, a doubt in my mind. So at what point does softball rise to the top of your list? Because even you know, you're coaching all these these different things. When did you know this is the path? This is what uh, it, it's going to be. When I was leaving Washington and Jefferson, I wanted to just coach softball. And so at that point, I was just looking for uh, positions that were obviously coaching one sport. And Rowan was the place. I didn't know a ton about it. I knew a little bit about the NJAC, but not that, not that much. But, you know, you do some research and they were pretty good at the time. And one of the provosts was actually from Slippery Rock that was at, at 
uh, Roman at that time. And so I had a connection there and, you know, it was a, this is what I want to do. We can take this team and, you know, this program and continue. Yeah, they were, they were very good and we can take it and, and hopefully take it to the, to the next level. And, you know, I think we've been able to do a little bit of that, but at the end of the day, we're creating hopefully good human beings in the world and and that sort of thing. Softball's a bonus for them. All the experience you have outside of softball coaching, how much does having all that experience help kind of round you out as a coach? Because maybe the skills you're teaching are different. The type of athlete you're teaching is different, but coaching is coaching. And how much did all that kind of extra experience you got in all seasons and just dealing with the kids and and organization and and stuff like that and understanding all the things that you have to deal with that go beyond the field how much did having all that extra experience help you especially young when you're younger oh for sure i you know i was 25 when i got my first head coaching job and i had never been an assistant for anybody really and so I think the biggest thing that was for me is playing different sports with different coaches. And, you know, I had great coaches in high school. I had one that I butted heads with, you know, a little bit. And you learn from those sorts of things and you see different organiza- practice organizations. I think overall, I can see athletes and we can teach most athletes anything. We've been blessed to get good kids at Rowan that are good athletes. And I, I think some of that comes down to we just really want athletes and that experience from playing different sports. Nowadays, a lot of kids are not playing more sports and softball is not necessarily the most athletic sport. It's very technical. You ha- And so we lose kids when they're 10, 11, 12 years old because they're bored. And you know, if they're specializing too early, they don't know how to jump. They don't run right. There's so many things that I think they need to get from other sports. And, and we're kind of doing a disservice to them. You know, pitchers that can't throw overhand, you know, those sorts, and they can't field well you know, you better be able to field at our level or you're, you're going to struggle and not get, not get to play a lot. So, you know, I was blessed with very, very good coaches. I had a really good basketball coach in high school and, and pushed me a lot. And I was a bit of a knucklehead at times. And, you know, he, Aren't he, we all? he, he trained me, he trained me very well. I, you know, in seventh grade, I was manager for the team and that sort of thing. So, you know, I was lucky to be disciplined by, by good people and they understood who I was. I was kind of that ADD kid growing up. So they understood me a little bit. They could have throw me off and my career would have been a little bit different, but I, you know, I, I know how to deal with those kids and that, that helps too. But I think you also take things from your, your, you know, your coaches that there's drills that I do that my softball coach did in high school that we still do. And then there's other stuff that we've modified and I'm always picking people's brains on what we can do differently. And this generation doesn't like to be bored. So we got to keep them moving and we can't spend too much time on, on certain things. Definitely work on fundamentals a ton. So if we can be fundamentally sound, I think the team part comes to it. Nowadays, there's so much more to the culture component and that if they feel good, and, you know, we ran through the wall. We didn't, you know, it's the old jump. You never at, you just jumped, you know, it's not how high it's just, you, you did it. And, uh, you know, that's not this generation. And at, especially even after COVID where, you know, there's just, there's a lot, a lot more things we're, we're dealing with, with them on, on the non-softball side. 
but softball is a good vehicle to keep them going in the in the right direction and keep you know self-esteem and all those all those things you know the the foundation of love and things that you didn't you were never taught but they've come they've evolved over the years of, of coaching you know philosophy or or culture we need to take a break on one-on-one we will have more with rowan university head softball coach kim wilson right after this a Philadelphia dentist today was sentenced to 22 years in prison and fined $100,000. This was just unbelievable. you got to understand the genius in Larry. Nobody was doing coke at this point. No one could believe that this highly educated, young, handsome man was this kingpin drug dealer. This is Wolves Among Us, the Larry Lavin story. A documentary podcast from C13 Originals, a Cadence 13 studio. Listen now on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back continuing our conversation on one-on-one with Rowan University head softball coach Kim Wilson. Do you remember the first thing when you started coaching that came across your desk that you didn't realize a coach had to deal with? Like, oh, well, I guess that's me. I guess I have to deal with Because there's so much of that that people don't appreciate all the little fires that you have to, to put out that would not seem to somebody on the outside to be in your lane, but they all, especially at the head coaching level, all get detoured to you. Do you remember the first thing that was like that? So I was hired in February in uh, 1991, I think it was, at WNJ, And I walked into my office and there was a stack of catalogs there. And it was a stack of cheerleading catalogs. They didn't tell me that that was my other duty. And so I had to get vans for the cheerleaders. I had to order uniforms. I'm not, I've never been a cheerleader in my life. So, you know, there's, there was this other duty and that those are the things that people don't realize that I'm doing volleyball tomorrow night and I'm running game management for volleyball. And it's the, I'm not only coaching softball, but we're doing all these different things, setting up chairs, wiping the floors, doing whatever it is. And, um, that was my first one that I'm like, ah, cheerleading really. And, you know, it's forgetting about ordering, you know, whatever it is, socks or, you know, all the, all those little things that you don't, you don't really think about. And it's like, oh, they need this and this and practice clothes and, and all the other things that go along with it, you know, is, are really the, the big things that stand out to me. So Washington and Jefferson, six years you spend there when the gig at Rowan opens, and you talked about it being attractive because you could just uh, coach softball. How did it kind of come across your radar? How did it kind of come together? You know, the old NCA news came out and, you know, there's jobs listed. It, there wasn't really that the internet was not a real thing at that point. It sort of was, but it um, took a long time. So the job was open and they didn't hire until December. So I, le- I left and December 1st was my, of 96 was my first um, official day. And then we went right into the 97 season. At that point, we were, we were driving vans and uh, in to some places and not in coaches all the time, which that's one positive thing is we're always in, in coaches nowadays. So it's a little bit different, but I knew they were good and, you know, not too far from the ocean. New Jersey is a little different. South Jersey is a lot more like Western Pennsylvania than North Jersey. So we describe it as the kinder, gentler New Jersey now that I've been here for 28 years, but it was a, a definitely a positive area and, you know, and everybody won. So 
football was winning. Men's basketball just won the national championship. Women's basketball was amazing. I was I was surrounded by tremendous coaches and and still everybody Rowan is successful across the board and it, it's a it's a good atmosphere to be in. We can rely on each other. Nobody's, you know, there's not the jealousies or that sort of thing. You just you do your job and, you know, we'll talk whether it's with the volleyball coach or the basketball men's, you know, Jay, of course, he I sit down with with him you know the the football coaches are very much involved in other things besides football and so pat lancetta and i he does game management for us so you know spent many hours with the other coaches and it's a it's a great atmosphere in that we're all supportive of each other Coming into that atmosphere, and you just talk about everybody wins a lot of times when a young softball coach gets a job you're maybe coming into a situation that's kind of dicey or the last coach didn't have a lot of success and you've got to clean up. Is it a, does it add more pressure? Did you feel a lot of pressure? I guess is my question. When you come in, you're taking over a successful program and you're taking over a successful program at a school where everybody wins. Did that add to it? Or were you not in that kind of headspace? There was pressure. Definitely. I mean, you don't want to be the one that isn't winning in the, in the program. So everybody's winning. You know, there were some reasons why the job opened and we needed to establish a different culture. And so that was at the beginning, that was the hardest part to do is we've always done it this way. And, you know, the kids were bought in and they weren't necessarily bought in, you know, to somebody new. And so that took a little bit of time, but they, you know, kids are kids and they're going to support. And I think the background that we were able to, you know, continue on the winning way. And obviously at that point in 99, we went to the world series. And so we were right back on the level that they, they wanted to be on. And, and so the buy-in was pretty big then. I mentioned off the top, kind of your resume, you know, more than 800 wins, you know, you've won the end Jack. I think it's eight times, including this past season, uh, if I'm correct, 18 NCAA tournament appearances, five super regionals, three NCAA finals appearances. I mean, how it's one thing to establish excellence in a program, but to maintain it for so long, you know, even your like down years are still very good years at a lot of places. How hard is that? Or do you not think about it in those terms? And it's just what this group this year can offer and we will build on that. Yeah. Well, winning breeds winning. And, you know, when we, we knew when we got back to the world series in 2016, there was a pretty long drought for the world series. When we went from 99 to, to 16, but that 16 team was, we had seniors on that team and they were the group that really, you know, every, every group builds on, on a group. We were, you know, we, we made NCAAs for all the years in a row and that, and that sort of thing. We were always competitive, whether winning the conference or being in the top. And I think the kids expect it. And so part of them coming in, part of it's recruiting. Again, we're building a culture and they expect to be there. And so, yeah, are we disappointed when we're not there? 
Yeah, but it is when we go to regionals, when we go to, you know, that that sort of thing, we need to take care of our business in the NJAC. And then we talk and it's not in a cocky way. It's more in a, this is an expectation. And if we do our job, we play a competitive schedule. That's part of the reason why we do it. So we're ready at the end of the season and we show up when money's on the line and they're they've bought into it they expect it and we're pretty disappointed when we're when we're not there you know obviously with the covid year in 2020 we 2021 they changed the tournament and they only took one team from our conference and it, you know we were pretty disappointed in that but we turned around and you know and last year we're in 22 we're back in it and it's an expectation even though we we're young we didn't know what pitching we were going to have you know that's it doesn't matter what I, the numbers may change. The ponytail may change. The color of the hair may change, but the, the kids are still going to be good athletes and compete. We're going to, we're going to leave it on the field. And so that's really our expectation and it's not pressure on them. It's just part of the package and that's what they want. That's what they buy into when, when we're recruiting them, we're talking about those sorts of things. And, and again, it's not a win at all costs, but it is a, it's a lot more fun winning than it is losing. That was my next question. Which is stronger with you, the love to win or the hate to lose? I think you have to learn from losing. I'm, you know, I feel like I'm the same coach, whether we're winning or losing, we're always trying to teach. And if we can get something out of a loss, I'll take it. It doesn't mean, you know, we're running or doing any, you know, we're, we'll talk about what it is, but we, at the end of the game, we ask the kids, what did we learn? What was good? And we try to focus on the positive things and all right, what are the negative things that, that we need to work on? Even in a, in a big win, there's things that we need to get better at, whether it's execution of a first and third or, you know, run down or something like that. We were talking about that yesterday. We had a team meeting and we talked about it a little bit just to the little things that they're going to learn now. They will come along down the road. And and at some point, it may not be until May that that little thing that we've been working on every day becomes a, a reality and they've got to make sure that they know what they're doing at that time. And so we we really work on the fundamental stuff. And so I think kids like to win a lot more than they like to lose. Kids like playing time also a lot more. And so, you know, there's days where in our sport, we can shorten the game and, you know, you're up eight to nothing and you think that, oh, that's a good playing time, but we want to limit innings and those sorts of things. And so sometimes we'd rather end the game than give people playing time. and that sometimes is tough, tough to take. And so it's finding a balance in those sorts of things. But we like to win, you know, and I, and I think another thing we talk about is you need to be a good winner and you need to be a good loser. You have to have class and sportsmanship and, you know, you need to be the same person whether you win or lose and don't be a sore loser ever. You referenced that 2016 uh, season, and I think that was uh, I, the greatest finish in row in history. You guys uh, tied for third at the Nash at the World Series and won forty two games. Won the NJAC. What was that ride like? Because I think you mentioned it was a there were seniors on that team, so it was a group that knew how the sausage was made and it knew what it took. How much fun was that ride to to reach those heights? It was. It, there was a little bit of pressure, you know, the year before we were 25 and oh, and then uh, lost and we didn't finish as well as we as we should have, we had some injuries at the end. And so 
going into 2016, they were on a mission and we had, you know, senior pitching. We actually had two senior pitchers. We had Travis Sneed at shortstop, first team All-American, two-time first team All-American. But we had a freshman in center field. We had a freshman at second base. We had a sophomore in left field. You know, we were hiding a, a uh, catcher in right field, but she could hit. So you know, we were, we were really good, but it was up to them and they really took it. Those seniors just, they dominated and just trained those kids. This is how we do it. This is what it is. We were running in the mornings. Like they were, they were very disciplined, but they still had fun. And you could see the fun when they were out there, you know, it was kind of like we were on a mission. I don't, the, the NJAC tournament got shortened a little bit with, rain and i think we you know we won like 11 to nothing in the finals and and it was just we were off and there was nobody stopping us and coaches were breaking clipboards and all that kind of stuff and opposing dugouts and you know and, and it's like hey these kids are just it's meant to happen and so that was the team that really established it and they established that winning attitude and just this is this is ours and I think in in 2018 when we went to Oklahoma City, it was the those kids, the sophomores and freshman class. They really just continued that. We were not as we were pretty talented, not as talented as the 16 class, but they they were. It was just all right. We're going back here. Here it is. Now we're ready to go. They. It's more about them and less about the coaches. I'm curious. How long does it take you? Good season, disappointing ending, whatever, but. How long after a season does it take you to process and appreciate what that group has done, kind of digest where you need to go? Because I'm sure so much you're just in the moment and you're going from game to game, inning to inning, especially when you're getting into those high level stakes of the World Series and stuff like that. But once it's all over, does it take a certain amount of time to really process what has happened and appreciate and kind of marinate in it, you know, before you can kind of move on into looking ahead. Definitely. I think, you know, I think somebody who put it best, Tim Walton, when they won the, he's at Florida and when they won their first national championship, he thought that, you know, that was, it was just going to feel like, Oh, the, you know, the, the world. And the next day it was the pressure of, you got to do it again. And, you know, I I think time helps with appreciating it and talking to, you know, in the 18 or in the 17th season, we knew we graduated a lot of kids, but we just wanted to, you know, show what we could do. And, and, and they did a, they did a good job. We had brand new pitching and they did a good job. So we were, we were pretty young at that point. And so appreciation of what those seniors and how they, commanded that team and took them on their shoulders really was right away. We were, we knew that was a special season and whether you can duplicate that again, you know, it's never going to be those people. And we, we spend a lot of time talking about that, this team, this moment, this time, because it's going to be different kids the following year. It's going to be, you know, some, some people won't be here. So you have to appreciate, stay in the moment, and appreciate it along the way, which is a lot easier after we got back there. The pressure was was off a little bit to be there and to, you know, to finally 
make it back to the World Series. And and we had a legitimate opportunity. We we competed very well. And so, you know, we're really proud of what our kids were able to do. And, and they left it on the field. It's never easy, at, you know, to be in an eight-team tournament and, uh, you know, playing at 11 o'clock at night sometimes. And the World Series is, no, is, is not an easy tournament to win. So you got to need a little luck on your side too. So I tip my cap to the, the people that can do it for sure. Softball is one of those sports that if I went back to when you started your career, it was not high on the depth chart, I think, of sports that were given a lot of attention, facilities. I would, you know, obviously everywhere is different, but a lot of places it was, oh, you can have the extra field when baseball's JV team's not used. Like, really, like stuff like that. And now you fast forward to now where facilities everywhere are really good. And you're honestly hard pressed to be flipping channels in April, May, June and not come across multiple high level softball broadcasts. It's really remarkable. The journey as someone who's been in it, what has it been like to see this sport really take off and kind of force itself into the national conversation? Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. When I was at WJ, we actually played on the baseball field. We had a mound in the middle behind our pitching mound. So we, it, my shortstop had to learn how to come over on the cut and go up the hill to be able to make the cut. So yeah, it's uh, it's definitely come a long way. I mean, dugout, there weren't fences, you know, so it's pretty neat. You know, I wish we could stay in the Olympics. That would be a bonus. I went down in 96 and it was amazing in Atlanta to, to you know to see softball in in the Olympics, but I think they're doing a really good job. I think you know we have a lot of girl dads now that actually are involved and are pushing the the envelope with it. It's a fun sport, and you know I think some of it is baseball is too long. They need to speed up their sport. They're telling us we need to speed up and. You know, you can get a softball game in, in an hour and a half, two hours, and it's fast. You're not, you know, I always like, you got to do the gloves, you got to do this. And, you know, and then we're going to step off the mound and we can't do that. It, it goes. And I think so the, for the viewership, it's fun to watch on TV. There's tons of promotions now. We can't, you know, the pro leagues, we're trying with that sort of thing, but the Athletes Unlimited is now playing in the summertime. And so it's out there. ESPN has done a, a great job. Of, it's incredible. Of promoting like it, it. It's it really, really something like I flip through and there will be two, two, three different oh, yeah. games on multiple yeah. channels. It, it's, you know, yeah. it is really something. And even with the on demand, you know, on, on ESPN, you can go back and watch games over that you can't see all, all the time. And, you know, in that way, I just think more people have more access to it. And they've realized if we can get people to sit down and watch a game or go to a game, they realize that like, it's fun. These girls are good. They they really are. We have everything. We have the speed, we have the power, we have, you know, you can have a defensive battle, you can have pitchers duel, and then you can have home runs. And so I was actually in Oklahoma City and, and went to the World Series this year. And you know, you, you have a six foot fence and they're catching balls over the fence now, just like the, you know, the major leagues are. And, and it's pretty neat to be involved in that. And they're, they compete and we just need to get people out and, and watching. And it, and it, the viewership was off the charts this year. It was really good. So I think we just need to keep going from there and it, people like it. So the more people we can get out there, the better it's going to, it's going to be for us. And my final question, like, I think 836 
win stuff? Like, what does all that mean to you? What do all the accolades and all, do they resonate with you? Is that something to take stock of whenever you decide to call it a career? Like, how do you kind of look at all that? You know, I, in some ways, you know, it's the, it's the kids and it's the experience with the kids, the wins, you know, they're fine. The losses, they're fine. You know, that's, it's part of the coaching wheel that we're, that we're on, but it's more in seeing my kids that are in their thirties now and them still getting together and thinking, wow, they were, it's been 15 years since they've been out of school and here they are, their moms now and, and their kids are playing these sports and, and they're coaching. And, and that's what brings me more back to how long I've been doing this rather than, you know, 800 wins, whatever. That part of it is, it's part of the process and it's part of, you know, the culture that we, we've um, as established. We get good kids and Rowan is a great place to you know, it's hard not to win there because it's a good place. At, at the end of the day, when I, when I'm done coaching, you know, I don't know if coaches are ever done coaching. My mom still coaches. She'll call me and say she had uh, somebody who was playing a second baseman, and, but she can't play for you or, you know, or, or something like that. So she's in her eighties and she's still coaching. I want to be able to enjoy the sport. I want, I want my relationships with my players to be something that will be for a lifetime and not, we're not using them for four years. This is a lifetime commitment to them. And, you know, we talk about love, we talk about family and they are family and whether they play one year or four years, they're still part of our family. And I hope that that's what they take out of our program. The wins are a bonus. The softball is a, is a bonus and that we play at a high level is, is the bonus part of it, but they're in the Rowan family and, and that's what makes it special to me. Kim Wilson, this was so much fun. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Matt. And that will do it for this week's episode. Want to thank Rowan University head softball coach Kim Wilson for being our guest this week. If you like this show and you listen on Apple Podcasts, want to help us out, leave us a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at one-on-one-pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at MattLeon1060. Thanks so much for listening, and be sure to check us out again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about. 